This is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Hello, hello, friends. What's going on, guys? Hello. Good evening, Sailor. What's up, Sailor? Good evening, Matt. What's up? Hi, everybody. Wait a minute. One, two, three. We have a guest. Who's this extra dude in the room? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm Ray. I'm from the Cape. I'm here to talk about whiskey and anything else you guys want to talk to me about. I can't wait. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Ray. Um, just to let everybody know, Ray happens to be the almost husband of my sister wife, Lori. And <laughs> almost will, husband. Almost husband. It'll, it's in a short period of time. Um, she was on our show um, that when we covered Guar, and yeah. she would be her laugh is unmistakable. It's one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. things in the world. That laugh, she Same makes me her. laugh, right? And she makes me feel like I'm so I feel like the funniest person on the planet when I'm around her because her he's just got one of those laughs. It's it's amazing. So, um. Well, before we're going to talk to Ray a little bit about who he is, and he's actually a musician as a band. But before we get into that, what is happening in the world right now? Oh my God! Oh, only one <laughs> thing, really. Oh my God, it's right. <laughs> yeah. We happen to be in an interesting time. I think that if we were to listen to our show from last week, we would could say things have changed dramatically in such. A short period of time. Would you guys agree with that? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah. Things have gone yeah. from definitely. Worse, I think it was like yeah. twenty-four hours, literally, where everything escalated to. Yeah. Yeah, it craziness. was pretty crazy. Yeah. I think we all felt that. Um, I, I I think we're all very reasonable, pragmatic people. Um, I know. I I mean, I am. I'm very much just like, well, you know, I believe in uh, smart information. I believe in information in general, and I think we both. Well, we all just kind of felt like, well, you know, everybody calm down. But I'm here to tell you that I happen to have been in the epicenter for several days, and that would be Seattle, Washington. And what I witnessed in Seattle uh, is going to be a historical moment for sure. And um, I feel very, very differently right now. So this is me personally saying this. I'm not speaking for anybody else on the show or the network. But just me as Sailor, I would like to ask everybody, if you have the ability to stay home, I think you should. Um, I have made that decision for myself and my husband as well. We have decided because we were in the epicenter, we are going to self-quarantine for 14 days as recommended. Um, I don't know who I've been in contact with um, who could be a carrier. I'm not worried about my own health. 
Uh, I'm a healthy person. So is my husband, thank God. But I am worried about infecting like my parents, for example, who are much older. And um, my stepfather, I would say, would be someone that's that's immune compromised. Um, I have, you know, a friend that's battling cancer right now. I certainly wouldn't be around her because um, I just don't know. And that's the scary thing is we, we don't know. But um, it's devastated uh, my industry in Seattle and Washington State. And just this afternoon, we heard of mass closures around the country of bars and restaurants. Um, so this is this is really serious. And a lot of people, sadly, are going to suffer. Schools are closing and parents really didn't have time to prepare how to deal with it if you have smaller children. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting moment. I, I'm, my heart is, I I feel for everyone that we're all going to be affected by this in some way or another. Um, I hope it's over soon. I hope that we all do the responsible thing, but, um, yeah, this fucking sucks. And, uh, how do you not talk about it in a moment like this, you know? You can't not talk about it. It's it's historic, you know, and you're not yeah. the only one to share those sentiments, sailors, certainly. I mean, I know everyone on the show shares the same sentiments about what's going on and how it's just escalated, like I said, 24 hours or just since we last recorded, really. I mean, you know, not that we were poking fun at it, but I don't think that we were certainly weren't in the position or our standpoints that we're in right now. Um, after everything Absolutely. that's happened, all the dominoes that have fallen just in the last week. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy real stuff that's going on right now. Absolutely. And I think that I think it's interesting because I've been kind of analyzing, you know, well, why did I feel that way then? And why do I feel this way now? And it's not that I I didn't I had disbelief because that's certainly not the case. Um, I think it because there's lack of information and um lack of explanation. Um, there is, was, we still don't have a clear answer as to what is the best thing for all of us to do as responsible human beings. Um, you know, what does, what do our, our leaders say we should do? What does smart science say? And, um, even science was kind of giving conflicting information and I'm a science girl. I think we all know that. Um, that, was the most difficult thing for me is I didn't see a clear line from the scientific community. Um, and I think we we've definitely gotten there at this point. So, um, that, that's really what I think changed for me. You know, I, I will be curious to see in a few months time when we look back on this show and kind of how we felt about it, how, how this is going to play out. But, um, yeah, it's fucking crazy times, man, you know? crazy times but i'll tell you there is a really awesome thread on twitter um about gen x and uh how we were kind of born for this which is kind of funny but sad funny also <laughs> we're the latchkey kid generation um we are considered to me the to be the most unparented generation in history uh we we we're taking care of ourselves very young. And if we had younger siblings, same thing, we were left alone, you know, like my mom would be like, you know, leave a note when I got in the house and you had to have your key, you would wear your key as a necklace. And, you know, there's some pizza bagels in the freezer. Don't burn the house down. And that was about it. <laughs> or, you know, I, I was babysitting my sister when I was freaking 10 years old and 
I can say she's alive and well. Um, so, you know, the, the social distancing and staying at home for a couple of weeks or even a couple of months, you know, how will people fare? And Gen Xers are like, yeah, we got this. We were, we were fucking built for this. Yeah. This is a good chance to, um, kind of let our, our humanity shine here. (laughs) Um, if you know, have some neighbors or friends, family who are really being hit hard, maybe they work in the service industry and they're not working, um, make an extra, you know, a little extra on your meal, drop them off at their house, you know, help them out any way you can. Just little stuff like that. Sure. can make a big difference. Absolutely. Well said, Ed. Well said. And just to piggyback on what you said, Sailor, I think that not only, like you said, your generation is best prepared for this, but I think you also bring a level-headedness to this whole thing where maybe people older and maybe people younger are kind of going off the deep end, not to take anything away. People people handle stress in these situations differently. Everyone's No, different. you can say it. The yeah. boomers are freaking the fuck out and the millennials don't give a fuck. Well, I right. Mean, so the, I mean, the, a lot of the boomers are in that age range where they're, you know, prone yeah, but they always this. freak out. They're the freak it, out generation. Very true. Very true. Very they true. They are the absolute, they're, they are one of the most dramatic generations I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> boomers are so self-centered and so fucking dramatic. They, oh my God, please. I mean, that's why we grew up alone because they were too busy still being children as we were raising ourselves. But you're right. We are the level-headed generation. But also what's interesting is someone also said on Twitter, um, we grew up with doomsday. We grew up believing and being told the world was going to end in our lifetime, you know, probably by a a nuclear warhead hitting the United States from Russia. And either we're going to be in, right. We're going to be incinerated instantly or we're going to die slowly of, of, uh, of uh, poisoning. Oh, great. That's, but that's literally, can you imagine being raised, being told that's the most likely scenario? So I think we kind of, already gave into that a long time ago and we're like, ah, say la vie, you know, world's going to fucking end. We're going to die a horrible death. Well, what are you going to do? So when this shit happens, we're kind of like, well, you know, we knew this was going <laughs> to, we knew like, the end We've been here. preparing for this our whole lives. <laughs> exactly. We lived through Y2K. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's right. We've been, I mean, someone Whoa. listed off all the things we went through, the AIDS crisis. We went yeah. through, you know, the the whole Russia thing. We went through um, Y2K. We went through, we've been through a lot of really fucking serious shit that we were told this is the end of the goddamn world. You know, everything's going to, everything's going to end. Um, you know, <laughs> so I think <laughs> as dark as it sounds, I think that's why we're so calm about it. Because it's like, well, at first we'll I was like. It. Yeah, at first I was like, well, I mean, I think everybody needs to calm the fuck down. If it gets really serious, they'll tell us to stay home. That was kind of my thought, like, calm down, you know? And now that they're like, stay home, I'm like, okay, so you stay home. All right. Okay. You know, take care of each other. If you've got old people on your block and you don't know them, now's the time to introduce yourself from a safe distance. Ask them if they need anything. Do you need toilet paper, for example? Do you need, Matt's wife just said she had to bring toilet paper to her grandmother, you know, who didn't have any. Do you need food? Do you want us to just to check on you every couple of days? Do you need a thermometer? I actually went to buy a thermometer the other day and there weren't any. I had to get a baby one that goes in the ear. Um, there was one left, you know, things like that. Like, like Ed, like you said, you know, if you know people who are in the service industry, help them out a little bit. If, if, you know, if you can spare a few bucks for 
to help out with lunches um, for kids that are impoverished and won't have food because they're not in school. But, you know, we got to remain calm. I mean, freaking out isn't going to do anybody any good. And to all those millennials out there, I I think they're some of the most, I would say the much, much younger millennials. Y'all motherfuckers are selfish. You need to get your shit together and stay home and think of other people. Because seriously, the shit that I've seen lately on social media of them out in bars going, I don't care. I'm healthy. I'm fine. Um, yeah. Fuck you guys. Well, it's just a microcosm of an overall attitude. So well, it's unfortunate, sure. but right. I mean, yeah. yeah, the white claw generation. Well, we well, could go on and on about this all tonight, but, uh, we've got a show to do. <laughs> Good job, he always pulls us back. Yeah. And speaking of a show, tonight's topic we are going to be talking about the band that i'm sure and i hope most of our listeners have heard of zz top yeah and we are starting out with some old school zz top we're going to yes. be um battling three of their earliest albums tres hombres from 1973 fandango from 1975 and Deguelo or Deguayo, depending on how you pronounce it, from 1979. Yeah, but before we get into our album battle, we have a few points of business. And the first one is, um, I want to talk a little bit to our guest tonight, Ray. Um, Ray, you are a musician yourself. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your journey into music um, and your band also. Uh, I'm a drummer, so if you want to call that a musician, I guess I'm a musician. I'm just kidding. <laughs> drummer joke. Um, like a true drummer. Yeah. Uh, I started. Uh, I started playing drums uh, when I was 14 or 15. First song I ever learned how to play was a Bon Jovi song. So you know, I'm, I'm I was born in '75, so you can imagine when I was 14. I mean, there was the hair metal was it. We're talking '89, '90. You know. Aerosmith had put out Pulp, you know, Poison was doing their thing, and Bon Jovi was doing their thing, Def Leppard, you know, they were doing, so I kind of learned drumming in that in that aspect, and um, kind of just, they kind of almost sat there and gathered dust in my room, and then one day I just started playing, and I've been playing ever since, a couple breaks here and there, you know, um, I'm one of those guys that I really need to find some inspiration that want to sit down and play again, and, um, hmm. but for the most part, though, I'm a, I'm a, I, I, I cut my teeth playing grunge, Pearl Jam, um, you know, Alice in Chains, stuff like that. Um, and so now the band I'm in is, is we're called Sad Box, uh, Sad Box. Um, and uh, we, <laughs> we're what we consider uh, now middle-aged dead rock. But, uh, <laughs> wait a minute, dead. wait a minute. Hold on. Explain. Wait, 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 wait. Middle-aged dead rock. Dead dad rock. rock. Dad rock. Dad rock. Hold on a second. Daddy I was rock. I was about to get really no. excited. Okay, your middle-aged dad rock. Yeah, that's what that's Got the best it. way to describe it. it it's Got it. We we've heard like when our first album came out, we were told that we sound like an unhinged stuntable pilots, which whether that was a, a compliment or a or a diss, that's still a cool thing to be called. So, um, in my, so it's, we're all in our, we're all in our late thirties, early forties, mid forties. And, and to, to practice is, is kind of a chore because we all have kids. 
<laughs> we all have other responsibilities. So, you know, gone are the days of being 22 and practicing for eight hours and learning two songs. We get like an hour and a half and we knock out, we knock out what we can an hour and a half. We're, we're, we're super uh, efficient in that manner. But uh, yeah, we, we, we play here in Dayton. It's fun. But, you know, you'd be surprised at how great the music scene is here in Dayton. I mean, it is really, really good. The Breeders are from here. Um, you know, uh, Guided by Voices, all, all these other bands like that. They're all from around here. And they're super fun. Everybody's super supportive. And, and uh, I've, I've kind of found a love for drumming again over the last two or three years playing with these guys. I went, up first started playing with these guys, I went about four years without playing. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's yeah. very cool. Yeah. yeah, you're almost describing the same situation as my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law, he is about uh, he's about 40 years old. He lives in Virginia Beach. He's a drummer for a band. And all the things you are saying about your situation just apply because he's got young kids, you know. And he does what he can to practice, you know, every yeah. once in a while. But, uh, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it is. It, but, you know, it, it's... It's a different kind of it's a different kind of love of playing when you get older than when you're like 20 or 22. I think yeah. you almost take it for granted when you're mm-hmm. when you're that age. I, I think not all, but I, I did. You know, I was just say hey, this is cool. I'm in a band, get a lot of chicks. You know, whatever. Now it's not really now it's not really like that. I just play because I really like playing, and it's weird because even though I've been playing forever, you get better. Yeah. Um, you get challenged. It depends on people play with. You communicate a little bit better when you're in your 40s than when you're instead of just. Twenty, and you know, and stuff like that. So it, it's really, really cool to 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 be in a band like this that's new, but you're old. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and you mentioned such an interesting time in rock music too. When you're talking like 1990, where you know you mentioned Bon Jovi and Poison, and the tide is shifting toward that grunge that you mentioned. Um, right. Just what a great time to be a music, a rock music fan on the cusp of a new movement like that. Fucking right. cool. Yeah. yeah, it really was. And, and I, I, I still remember when the, the day that Hair Metal died, it was when Nirvana, uh, they premiered uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit on, on MTV. And I feel like that was the end of Hair Metal. And you had a couple people trying to hang on, you know, things like that. But I think it kind of ushered in this whole new era. So I still remember that. It was really, really different. Like, what am I looking at here? You know, kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd say it was the end of the hair metal era on radio. Although there were people like me and you who who never let it die. <laughs> right. Goddamn <laughs> like, oh. right. And yeah, still hanging on. If I think it's still I'm keeping it. Still comes on, I'm all about it. It's the volume's going on. I'm still doing it. Oh yeah. And rat. Oh my goodness. Let me start on rat. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, speaking of, we've got some uh, very soon. We're going to have some of that. Some be covering some hair metal bands. I can't. So awesome I cannot oh, wait yeah. for those shows. Oh my god, I'm so so excited. Oh, um, yeah. So, um, Ray, we talked about last couple. I think a couple weeks ago, we talked about the tornado that hit Nashville and how it's affected Nashville. Um, and you guys had a tornado in Dayton as well. Um, I remember it very well because I just happened to be on social media and I saw someone, uh, my friend Erica, who lives in Dayton, post saying, you know, there's a tornado. I'm running down into my basement. You guys, um, everybody, you know, get into your basements and be safe. And um, I lived in 
Dayton, Ohio and worked at a beautiful distillery there. And I was freaking out, contacting everybody and it was a really scary time. And, um, I know that the, the, you mentioned some bands that were from Dayton and some celebrities and, and former bands helped out, didn't they, after the tornado? Yeah, actually, um, uh, you know, John Legend, you know, he's from Springfield. He came and he actually played, there's a, there's a bar here in Dayton. It's a rock bar called Blue Bob's. And uh, he actually came and he played a, he played a benefit show for the, for the uh, I guess, the, the, the ones who lost their loved ones and things like that. And, uh, and he played in the Breeders came they played a free show and um, we had a ton of celebrities um, from Dayton I can't remember if I have but they all were raising money um, most of the local bands that were playing at the time we had a big thing right at the time it was called the Dayton Music Festival today yep. Day festival um, all these local bands and some of the better ones were playing and all those all that all those proceeds went straight directly to the to the Dayton uh, the Dayton uh, tornado victims tornado relief um, and so it was just, it, it kind of, Ed touched on earlier about the, the best of humanity. Um, at that time, Dayton, I was really, really proud to live here because they were really, really pulling together. Uh, people were just jumping out of their cars, helping people move trees out of the yards. Yeah. Um, hey, talk for that roof, that kind of thing. And it was just really, really cool to see. Um, toothbrush, socks, you know, all the stuff people needed. Um, people were more than willing to give that up. It was just really, really, it, it's terrible that something like that had to happen, though for people to kind of show that, you know, that spirit of community and things like that. But, uh, it was, it was really, really cool to see all those musicians, um, from Dayton kind of come out, return home and do those things for Dayton. It was really neat. It was touching. I think it just highlighted it. I think that, you know, um, these are, you know, these are small cities in the U S that people don't really think about much if you don't know it or haven't been there. And I think the sense of community is always there, but it just gets highlighted in these, in these times. And I think that's when you see a yeah. city band together right. because they're good at being a community. Um, mm-hmm. and so that was really nice to see. It was, it was a, it was a scary time for me mm-hmm. being far away. And I, you know, I was waiting, you know, biting my nails to see everybody check in on Facebook. I got to say, you know, you can shit on social media all you want. But when I can find out with a click of a button if someone's safe after a natural disaster, I really appreciate that. Definitely. And I remember I, I texted Lori right away. I'm like, you know, is Ray OK? Where are you? Are you with him? Where are, where are you guys? Like, is everybody OK? And I just had a list of people to check in on. And um, I was really grateful for for social media at that time. So yeah, that it, sometimes it does its job. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On the on the rare occasion. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't yeah. Know. Sometimes. Um, sometimes. I use it all the time. I don't see. I don't. I don't know. For me, social media has good purpose. I guess I've weeded out all the idiots. I don't really see. Any well, that's the key. That's the key. Dumb, dumb shit. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's always like, "Ugh, And I'm always like, "What are you talking about?" Like, mine's all fucking great. But I think I've weeded out all the fucking idiots. So you've yeah. perfected the algorithm. I think I yeah. have. Yes, <laughs> yes. indeed. Created, yeah, created your own algorithm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Get on the sailor algorithm. Trust. Yeah. It's a good place to be. Well, awesome. It's great to have you with us tonight, Ray. And um, I am so excited, you guys, to talk about ZZ Top. And I will admit that I am more excited now that I spent a week doing research and, you know, re-listening to their albums. Um, I forgot how much I really liked them, and I think I have a new appreciation for them. So uh, I am very excited. But first... 
I think we have to talk about booze. Well, Sailor, we certainly do have to talk about booze. After all, the name of the show, as I always say every week, is Metal Rock and Whiskey. Tonight, the whiskey segment belongs to me, yours truly. Um, I will have to say, I'm going to preface this with a little bit of a tease here, but this, as far as intellectually trying to think of something to pair with ZZ Top, at least the (laughs) albums we're going to be talking about tonight, I went through whiskey after whiskey after whiskey trying to find something. And I think I got it pretty well. Um, I'm leaving a lot of great stuff on the table, which I will cover also. But uh, I think in the end, I think I nailed it uh, for my feelings about this band. Anyway, before I get into that segment, let's go around the room and talk about what we're drinking right now. Who wants to start? Shall we start with our guest? Sure, why not? Uh, yeah, sure. So. Uh, me and Sailor had a short conversation about this earlier in the week i actually do not drink anymore because of um my own personal i'm trying to get in better shape and you know being being in a rock band and things like that you kind of can get a little carried away so but i used to i used to drink um i used to be really big on captain and cokes um things like that uh, as far as whiskey goes um i've never really been mentioning the whiskey and the reason why is because when i was little eight nine ten years old uh, my dad was a whiskey drinker, and I would always like when he left the room, I tried to take a little sip of it, and it was I feel like I'm all, you know, I'm an adult and I'm grown up, and I just remember being it was tasted so horrible. And then as the years went by, I realized my dad was buying like eight ninety nine like Canadian Mist or something like that, oh, and, so, and so it's like, oh, well, no wonder it tastes like shit, you know. So, um, but uh, the. The whiskey that I have drank is, you know, your typical stuff. It's your Jack and Cokes and, and, and stuff like sure. that. But um, but uh, I just remember that I, I'm almost biased because I remember it tasting so terrible because it was like eight ninety nine whiskey, and of course it's gonna taste like shit, right? So, and to this day, that's still what he drinks. I don't even know how he does it. That is so funny because this is, you know, for Matt and I, this is literally what we battle every day. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, like Sailor and Matt, you two should be able to school him. I mean, as, if he ever comes around to uh, drinking again, you guys yeah. can. Have, I mean, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's the same thing with tequila. To you know, when people go, "Oh, I hate tequila," and the first thing you have to ask them is, "Did you get sick on tequila when you were a teenager?" And they'll say yes. Well, of course you're gonna, you know, of course you're gonna hate it. Well, you were drinking garbage, and you probably drank too much of it, and anything you drink too much of is gonna make you sick. But most likely, yes. you're all. You weren't drinking a nice Añejo yes. or something. Don't paint drinking, the broad brush. Don't paint the right. broad brush. You yeah. were drinking something that was flavored like tequila. And so when Ray told me what his drink of choice was, I gave him like a big thumbs down. And I said, I'm not shitting on your drink, actually. What I'm shitting on is the fact that Captain Morgan is not even rum. And it's most not. people don't know this. So, and this would be rumder woman approved. Captain Morgan is actually what's called a neutral grain spirit. And um, that means it's a it's a non anything just fucking alcohol, Basically and then vodka. they 
right? Not, not even, it's not even vodka. <laughs> That's why it's called neutral grain. Um, and yeah. then it's flavored and colored to look and taste like what rum would taste like mixed, mixed with other drinks because no one sells uh, Captain Morgan to drink by itself neat or on the rocks. I fucking hope. Um, so you're actually just drinking a bunch of chemicals. If you want to have a nice rum, then you have to pay money for a nice rum, just like any other spirit that you drink, a nice beer or a nice wine or a nice whiskey, um, even a nice vodka, although I don't know if that exists. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah. So if you want to enjoy a nice rum and Coke, I would suggest uh, getting in touch with either myself or Matt on the socials and we can point you to some lovely brands that you may enjoy with or without the Coke. Um, and maybe you'll find just a splash of Coke is enough because the rum is so flavorful. And by the way, the next day you're going to feel a whole lot better because you're drinking a pure spirit, not a bunch of sugar and chemicals and flavorings and colorings. That's my rum PSA. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I feel I feel a lot more educated now. I, I'm gonna go to work tomorrow and drop all this knowledge on people. They're gonna think I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of quality spirits, um, since we're talking about ZZ Top, and ZZ Top is from the Lone Star State, I also yeah. happened to grab a whiskey that was uh, homegrown in Texas. We got the Garrison Brothers Texas nice State Bourbon one. Whiskey right there. See the big old star on the Good job. Uh, front there, the Lone Star Bourbon. I like um, it. Yeah, it's a 94 proof. This is their small batch, and it is three years old. And um, yeah, aging in a in a state like Texas is going to be a little bit different than aging in a more northern climate or you know Scotland or wherever else they make whiskeys. So a three-year East Coast, right? In yeah, the, the so three-year whiskey doesn't sound very old, and and granted, it's not, but it is. Look at the color on that. I know the listeners can't see it, but uh, it is. A, it's got some really good color. Um, it looks like a much older bourbon. It's got a really nice deep copper, um, and it drinks like a, you know, a slightly more aged bourbon as well. Uh, so yeah, very nice. Ed, I love that you chose a Texas whiskey because that's exactly what I did. Um, Ooh, and wow. what's, what's so exciting. Great minds. I know, right? Yeah. What's so exciting is that we are getting to witness a, a new, uh, I don't want to sound ridiculous, but like a new time in American whiskey because when American whiskey first was born in the U.S., right? We were colonies only. So we weren't really going that far out until, um, well, I should say with distribution because we did, Utah was a huge whiskey producer back in the day, um, but we weren't distributing nationwide. So I'm sure only Utah people got to drink Utah whiskey at the, you know, back in the day, right? They're um, bad, they're nationwide. <laughs> good one. <laughs> very, very, very good. Um, See what but you I'm, did there. I, I like it. I'm very excited about, our ability to taste whiskey from Washington state or from Oregon or from Texas or from, you know, Utah or Nevada or wherever, Illinois. Um, and I am drinking one of my favorites, which is Balcones. Uh, 
And you guys, I'm I'm holding this up. I'll take a picture of it if you guys remind me for social media. But look at the color on this. Mm-hmm. Reminds that, me of my Garrison Brothers right here. It's nuts, right? It looks like coffee. Yep. It's so dark. So this is the True Blue Cask Strength made from Ooh. roasted blue corn. It's a straight corn whiskey. Um, and interesting, have you ever noticed uh, that they don't use the E in whiskey? Matt, had you ever noticed that? I have, yes. I, of course, I would notice that. I know you would. You're in retail. I don't, I don't know if I've ever had a straight corn whiskey, aged straight corn whiskey before. Well, this is interesting. What's different about Balcones is their blue corn. So you know how we've talked about the, um, oh shit, what's the red, uh, the bloody butcher corn? Yeah. Um. So they have the corn. I mean it. You know, I I have a lot of thoughts about Mashville, and um, you know, I've ha- I will till my death argue that the Mashville is not the most important feature in a whiskey, right? But I do think if you're going to have a straight corn whiskey and you're using different varietals, that is certainly going to affect the flavor for sure. Um, this is, uh, like I said, a cast strength sixty eight point three percent. Um, and this, the date on this, uh, was 10, 13, 17. I got it. Um, at the end of 2019. So it's a cash strength true blue. It is. Wow. Again, that's about two years old. Crazy color for a two year old. <laughs> two years old. Wow. This is, this is, remember the collection that they sent me last year when I was, yeah. cause I do, I do so much whiskey education. Um, and I had a, a short mo- Well, I was a consultant for a long time. So lucky me, I got to have whiskey sent to me from many different brands and I would learn them really quick and then teach about them. And this was one of them. So. Um, well, that's what I'm you, drinking tonight. As soon as you finish that single malt, single barrel, I sent you, you can fill that some bitch up with that one. Send it right back I here will. to Florida. I will. Yeah. As a, well, I, I just finished the, the Heaven Hill, uh, BIB. So I will fill this up for you and send it to you because this is very, very special. Um, so the, the flavor on this, I did add a few drops of water to open it up and I'm, I'm drinking it in a nice, big, wide mouth glass. Um, it's really hard to describe. What I want to say is barbecue, um, sweetness, and the the woodsiness and the upfront spice. It's just it's so interesting. I'm I'm just a big fan of what they do. So, uh, so just shout out to Texas tonight because we're covering ZZ Top. That's what I went with. Nice. Wow. So Matt, it's up to you. So how do I follow that? Texas. Wow. I have a feeling you'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's time for the whiskey segment, right? Yes, it is. All right. Let's get into it. Oh, I bet. I So as I said before, when introducing our, you know, going around the horn, this was actually really tough. I did not think this would be so tough for a band that, honestly, I have very little history with. But, you know, I went through a couple of different things. I'm like, okay, they have a lot of albums with Spanish names. 
I could go for like a nice Mexican corn whiskey, which does exist, by the way. If you can find a Mexican corn whiskey, buy it. It's delicious. Uh, Then I'm like, I got it. American rye from Pennsylvania or Virginia. The fabric of America, fabric of American rock, fabric of American whiskey. Great pairing. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. But then I thought of Texas. Right? Two-pronged attack here. Texas, number one. And number two, something happened to me the other day that I never thought would happen to me. Being being in retail and actually, and I've mentioned this to you guys before, and anyone who knows me that listens knows that this is a huge, excuse me, a huge pet peeve of mine working in retail, especially on the whiskey, you know, mostly whiskey. So... In my position, and I've told, like I said, I told you guys this before, one of the things that irks me to no end is when I'm very hot on a product that might be new or that I've tasted maybe before everybody could taste of great quality and people turn their noses up at it because of a name or the lack of a name. They don't know the name, etc. Of course, Love for these certain whiskeys will change when a periodical or a panel or you know someone in an ascot with a podcast just like ours uh, says it's good. Uh, you know, then people jump on the bandwagon. So, mm. uh, amazingly enough, I was guilty of doing the same thing not too long ago. So oh, what I what I am drinking tonight, Sailor, actually, this brand and this distillery shares a very special night with you. Um, so on February 12th, 2020, I know, I know what you're going to, I know what you're going to say. And I'm so excited if you do it, a bourbon from this distillery, won best American whiskey of the year, best bourbon of the year. Um, and it's iron root Republic distillery. Oh, Oh, well they won best bourbon of the year at the world whiskey awards. what do you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say 291. No, I was not going to say two ninety one. Well, he was up for he he was up for uh, brand ambassador of the year as well. That's oh. why I that's why I thought. Well, no, but Iron Root Harbinger won world's best bourbon at the World Whiskey Awards. Fair, absolutely. Yes, Super which is from Texas. Yes. <laughs> so, w- my connection here is that I have walked past this bottle for months, not paying any attention to it. I'm like, yeah, it's from Texas reading the tasting notes on it. I'm like, okay, doesn't seem to interest me. So what happens, uh, USA today gives it like craft distillery of the year. It wins the world whiskey award for world's best bourbon. And I'm like, okay, I have to fucking try this shit. So I was one of those people that saw the write up, bought it and tasted Mm -hmm. it. And man, you know, remember that little, um, trifecta I told you guys about like basil Hayden's angels, envy, Yep. You know, Close, the uh, yeah. beginner's trifecta. The beginner's this is, trifecta. This yeah. is the ultimate antidote to that trifecta because it has, I love it. it's light, it has, it's well-balanced flavors, grain to glass is what they're all about, and they don't have the big name, they don't have the big, uh, you know, mass hysteria behind them as one of those, you know, cool brands that's new and everyone wants to try it because... Someone wrote an article about it. Yes, it's won the awards, but it hasn't gotten that huge mainstream success yet. But 
this stuff is really, really good. And I was the victim of, you know, reading something or seeing an award and I bought it and I fucking enjoy it. So that's but don't what the, good, the good thing about I'll having make, these oh, awards is it allows people For lack to uh, of a better term. I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't victim say victim. A bad word. Not victim. Okay. But anyway, swinging that back to ZZ Top, I'm listening to all these albums and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I have become a huge fan of these guys just studying for this, for this episode, for these episodes. And I felt like <laughs> such a fucking hypocrite because this is a band that's been around for five decades, very much like Rush. I, I find I'm drawing these comparisons to Rush in my Yay. head as being a threesome, you know, maybe the American Rush or, you know, whatever. Uh, not a lot of drama, pumping out great music year after year. And I find myself sitting here and saying like, wow, where have I been this whole time? And I've uh-huh. kind of just dived back in, you know, after all of these accolades and all of this great stuff. So uh, that's my whiskey segment, uh, much to my chagrin. <laughs> Matt, I am so excited that this is your whiskey segment because so we have shit on the music press so much in the almost oh, the over now two years that we've been doing this podcast, right? We've shit on them so hardcore. And, and it's because, you know, music press is opinion pieces, right? So, mm-hmm. and opinions are subjective and everybody is entitled to their own opinion. And so it's, it's a, it's a fucking losing, you're in a losing position always because you can say, I love this band. And people who hate it are like, fuck you. And you can say, I hate this band and people who are love it. Fuck you. So it's, I, I feel like that can be a similar, um, assumption with whiskey press, yes. but I, but Here's what I'm going to say. A lot of, I hear a lot of people shit on whiskey awards. You know, oh, I saw, you know, I went into this little distillery and they had 10,000 medals and blah, blah, blah. And I've been one of those people that is like, you know, it's not fucking hard. Like if I go into every goddamn little distillery and they all have 10,000 medals, like how fucking hard is it to get these medals, right? Here's the differentiator. The whiskey press themselves are incredibly astute. They are incredibly knowledgeable and they have worked very, very hard to be unbiased and train their palates and give you an understanding of what the expression is as opposed to saying, well, it's fantastic or it sucks, right? If you really, really look at Whiskey Press, they really don't, I'm going to say the majority of the large press We'll just talk about it and give you the points rather than saying, you know, uh, slapping their opinion all over everything as opposed to tasters, right? So as, so I'm a supplier, okay? And that's, I come from the supplier side and we say, well, for off premise, which means what you do, retail, liquor, awards mean everything, press means everything. But for on premise, which means bars and restaurants, nobody gives a shit about awards and press. Truly, that's the directive we're given, and that is, you know, pretty much what what we know. And I think that's fucked, to be honest with you. I think that's wrong because I think we're doing a huge disservice to the whiskey press. I think we're saying they don't know what they're talking about. Only the the I think we're also insulting um, the people who imbibe because we're saying, well, the people who buy in liquor stores are idiots, but somehow they're not idiots when they're drinking at a bar. What the fuck? They're the same people. <laughs> like what, what, what does that even mean? 
Do you know what I'm? You know what I'm saying? I, I think I don't think people challenge this enough, to be honest. So if the if the medals and the whiskey press mean so much in retail, why wouldn't it mean that much if you're sitting at a bar? Why wouldn't a selling point be like, hey, they've won X amount of medals for a bartender to tell you, right? Instead of their own opinion. I think that's unfair. So I'm really glad that you brought this up, Matt, because I think we do need to um, we need to give more credit to the experts in our whiskey pre- press because they are experts and they work True. really hard. And I, I, I don't I, think we give them enough credit. I agree with you, but you could see it from my end trying to sell something that I'm very, very hot on. And, uh, you know, like George Dickel, Bob and Bond, for, for instance, was one of those that was released and, you know, talking about Nicole and everything. And people are like, well, it's George Nickel. I'm not going to buy it because it's George Nickel. You know, it's a, it's a different version of Jack Daniels. I've, these are things people said to me. Yes. Um, so, you know, it wins whiskey advocate top, you know, top whiskey of the year. And uh, now I can't get it. <laughs> so it's like all the same people coming back and saying, you know, the, the, the thing, you know, People yes. I spent time with telling them why this whiskey is so important yes. and how good it is. Yes. Um, you know, it, it, it chafes me a little bit, but I understand. I completely understand what you're saying from your aspect as well. Yeah. I think that yeah. it's, I, I think that it, we does, I think we need to listen to the press um, as much as we listen to the tasters that are independent, the, all the independent blogs and so forth. I think we need to just listen to everybody equally and just say, well, you know, perhaps, I don't know. I feel like we have a responsibility to change. I, I think it goes back to that snobbery that got to exist for so long because it was such a tiny market. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you, you really can't afford to be a snob anymore. Like that's kind of blown out of the water. You can't. So sailor, if, and Matt, can I, if I can speak as from the perspective of someone who's outside the industry, um, in every capacity, um, I think part of the problem is is that not every store has people like you and Matt who are there to sell them good product. You I'll have you a lot of yeah. salespeople that are there to make a quota or something else, and um, you know, and it's hard to know who to trust when you're asking for advice. Well, for sure, but yes, you. Thousand percent. First of all, yes, one one thousand percent. If you have a responsible supplier, I will say. If people, oh, I don't like Uncle Nearest. I'm like, okay, that's fair. But please just share the story. That's what I say. Yeah. You know what? You're not wrong. You're not right. Whether you like it or don't like it, because I can't. I don't get to say that. Your your preference is your preference, and I honor that completely. I think my point is that we don't give enough um we don't give enough weight to someone that has given a, a written a, a the the press that has written about a whiskey and and the quality of it and a panel that has decided like this is the world's best X and X. I think we do need to give that more weight. Um even though there are s- so many smaller panels that do awards and give out medals and such. I think it's just a matter of recognizing, well, what are the, how how do you say, I don't know, Matt, how do you say it? Like, what are the big awards that are given out? What are the most important awards? I think that's what we need to 
kind of sift through so that yeah, so that the, the consumer right thank yeah. you ed so the consumer understands like a double gold or chairman's trophy like those you listen to those you go oh okay because you know that the pa- it's a panel of experts but like if you see a gold medal uh like and and i'm you know, I'm a big fan of craft distilleries because that is the the life and breath of our whiskey industry. But if you see like a gold medal, if you read it and it's like, oh, well, this town or this state decided blah, blah, blah. Maybe that's not so reputable because yeah. you don't know who's, you know, you could have 50 of those gold awards. So I think I think this will in the next couple of years will probably change and flush out a little bit so that the consumer understands like this is the Oscars. You know, this is the Tonys, this is the Academy Awards, and those are the ones that you can rely on, right? This is, you know, uh, People Magazine, or this is fucking Inquirer, you know? Like, the differences. Perhaps. I don't know. I didn't mean to go down the rabbit hole of the press, but you brought it up, and it was, I think, I, I just think it was such a good point, because you're in retail, and you succumb to it. And I, I, as a supplier, I found that really interesting and actually exciting. It's a double-edged sword for me because, you know, some things like this, you know, that wins an award, you know, World Whiskey Awards is, you know, one of those things you speak of that should hold a lot of clout with people. So, you know, when I'm talking about this now and people are like, well, you know, I've never heard of it. Well, I'm like, you know, (laughs) I know someone who's won a World Whiskey Award, like literally – you know, I like one of my best friends. So it's like, I mean, you, you I make want it personal. Yes. yes. I'm like, I'm like, you make it personal and it helps with selling these things, but I get you like, you know, and something like wine enthusiasts, when wine enthusiasts gives, you know, whistle pig 95 points. I don't know. It's fucking wine enthusiasts. You know, they, you I'm know, not going to, I, yeah. yeah, that's my point. Yeah. That's yeah. my point is that I'm going to be like, well, wine enthusiasts, eh, whatever. But you know, yeah. like whiskey magazine, I'm going to yeah, be, or yeah, American Whiskey Magazine. Beverage, yeah, Ultimate Beverage Challenge, you know, stuff right. like that. Yeah. Right. It's good. And, and yeah, when I, I mean, when I was nominated for the, for the Icon of Whiskey Award, I have to say at first I was just like, what crap shit is this? Because I, A, I, I, I don't think I'm a very well-known person in whiskey, which I find, found out wasn't true. Um, but also my brand is tiny, you know, and I'm like, well, I I know that Jim Beam and Maker's Mark and all of those people win all the time. And so I also had to question, like, what the fuck does this mean? But it's because the people that are handing out these awards are are really, truly looking at things the the right way. And that that makes me really excited and really happy. And I think that's the shift that we're going to see. So, yes. Yeah. All right. Enough of that. Sorry to go down that rabbit hole, guys. (laughs) I... (laughs) <laughs> if you haven't tuned out now, I appreciate you. Ray's like, let's talk about music. Wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm actually that was very interesting. I mean, I I didn't realize it was like that fast and deep. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. It is. It's it's a it's a you know, I think for the for the person that's not embedded in the whiskey industry, you have to realize this is an old industry, but a new industry. And I think that's what makes it so interesting is that you know, after prohibition, we wiped out and we wiped out so much. And that that's a whole other discussion. We, we wiped out, you know, uh, the lumber industry, the, you know, iron and metal works and my God, transportation and, and so on and so on. It, it affected farming, you know, cultivation of, of grain and so forth. Um, 
and so, you know, we come back and, and there's the old guys that survived and they've been around forever, but there's a new industry, you know, that is very new. And that's exciting because it's, it's changing and growing literally every week and every day and every year, which is so it's, it's fascinating, you know, to be an industry that's, we've been making spirits since beginning of recorded time as best we know. And yet this is still new for us as Americans is really cool. All right. Should we talk about ZZ Top fucking finally? We should. Hell yeah. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. We're here to talk about ZZ Top. Did you know that they're a band from Texas? If you don't, you're a dummy because we've said it like 50 times already. And we're all drinking te- Texas whiskey, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the lineup, the original lineup was formed in Houston. And um, they have a, I mean, okay, this band has been around forever and ever and ever and a day. So we could go all the way back and talk about um, the long, long history of this band. But we have a lot of albums to cover because, as you guys know, when we do battles, usually we go, we're going to battle this album against that album. But it's ZZ Top. And I think we've had this trouble with several other bands. Um, doesn't always happen, but... But not like that. <laughs> This is a new a record. It's a new record here. It's this a new is record. a new record. That is yes. that is for sure. This is yes. a new record. Um, so they got their start in 1969. So just to understand how long ZZ Top has been around, how long they've been playing music together, and you know the time of their origin, as we have found, uh, as we've been doing this podcast, is very important to the music. Um, so let's talk about who our players are. Uh, we have Billy Gibbons, uh, Dusty Hill, Frank Beard. The past members are, uh, you know, not as important, let's say. I know that sounds <laughs> shitty, but they're, they're really not, though. <laughs> we're gonna, they're, um, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say they're not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you don't know them from their origins, they are they were a blues band, and that was really their original intention was to be blues. But funny, if you guys aren't of a certain age, you wouldn't recognize that blues at the time would have been considered rock as well. And so blues rock, as we call it now. Um, so uh, Gibbons was a huge fan of B.B. King, and I think you can hear that through I would say every album and every song yeah. they've ever At least made. The early stuff, yeah. Right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, w- what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about several albums f- that we felt for a band like this with a discography like this, you know, we went through them like, well, you can't leave this one out. You can't leave that one out. Can't leave that one out. So, um, we're going to do this in pieces um, and chunks. And we're going to start out with. Tres Hombres. That is uh, the album that came out in uh, 1973, which is a fucking phenomenal year. Yeah. You guys, because Sailor <laughs> was born. Yeah. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about this album before we go through the tracks and like how we feel about it. Um, so there's some interesting discussion about the sound of this album and how they got to the sound. Um, they felt like it was time for them to do a little change up and go what they say and quote, getting into a more growling guitar tone. So I think this is when you see them start to move into more rock at the time. It's 73. Think of all the bands in the early seventies that are happening and but how do they keep that blues that really is in their hearts and souls? Um, so they they create an album that, you know, we all know many, many songs uh, off of this album. And I think that uh, if you don't know this album, I guess I would say you don't listen to the radio or you've never listened to the radio. I don't know. <laughs> so it was uh it was released in July 26th to be exact in 1973 like I said it's considered to be uh when it came out it was called blues rock then we had the term southern rock and then you can go on and on and on with all the fucking subgenres which drives me fucking crazy that's that's a show in and of itself I'm just saying Jesus I know um so Billy Gibson who is the ZZ Top frontman said that he really felt like they knew right away they had something special in this album and they felt like it was a turning point for them. Um, so the reception was, <laughs> of course, as we're discussing press tonight was lukewarm by what? our friends at Let me the guess. Rolling yeah. Stone. Fucking Rolling Stone pieces of shit. We fucking hate them on this show. And what did they say? Um, they said, oh, it's a lukewarm reception. Um, they felt like the southern rock and roll sound was just tired. Shut the fuck up. They also said, this is how, okay, get, get ready for this. Um, I think the only way this, this is a quote, I think the only way this album might make it is because they sound black. Well, <laughs> thems were different times, of course. We would never say something like that now. But that's literally what they said. Wait, back I have a PSA right here. Okay, the only yeah, people that the only people that still buy Rolling Stone are probably over sixty. So way over know, seventy. You know what, man? Use that shit as toilet paper. Wipe your ass with it. Throw mm-hmm. it in the garbage. Yeah, Fuck, yeah, stupid. yeah. I think, I think I get my Rolling Stone in the mail tomorrow. <laughs> and we all need toilet paper right now but yeah. I'm, I'm just kidding i'm just kidding i haven't read rolling stone in years <laughs> yeah so this is the third studio album for the band by the way um and if you don't know what tres hombres means it is spanish for three men da, da, da. It's like spanish, um, well i mean I'm also not fluent in my pronunciations. So people may be like, what the fuck is this Gringa saying? <laughs> um, so you may know uh, a little ditty off of this album, perhaps, uh, called La Grange, maybe. I don't know. Um, let's talk a little bit, you guys, about this album. How do you... So, okay. Ed, one of Ed's favorite things is to talk about uh, artwork. So how do we feel about the artwork on this album? (laughs) 
simple. Uh, Ed, come on. This is your this is your jam right here. <laughs> Ed, are you there? Oh my god. Did we lose? What's happening? I'm here. Sorry, oh, I muted here. myself because I had to cough a little while oh, ago. Oh my god. I was like, what is happening tonight? So, this is not happening. Okay. No, as I was saying, and you couldn't hear, yeah, it's a very basic. Uh, I'll try to describe it for the listeners who've never seen it before, and probably most of them haven't. It's just a plain Kelly Green box with as if they went out with their little, I don't remember those little Kodak cameras used to have yes. that you put in the back, the little square ones that had the uh, yes. the disposable flash at the top. If they went out yes. went outside and they each took like a bunch of pictures of this and just used those little pictures and just of each yeah. one of them and like just that, stuck them on the That'll thing. literally, that's my, that's literally that's like my, my IG post for hyping this episode. Like that yeah. would be like so simple. <laughs> And they got boring. a uh, oh, vaguely Mexican-inspired um, font to uh, put on there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I would say Mexican-American restaurant. Yeah, it's, it's like a middle school fair. art project is what I would uh, <laughs> describe it as. Yes. <sighs> yes. So, okay. So that describes the album cover. Fortunately, uh, it doesn't reflect the content inside. No, it does not. So we have uh, tracks Waiting for the Bus, Jesus Just Left Chicago, Beer Drinkers and Hell Raisers, Master of Sparks, Hot Blues and Righteous, Move Me On Down the Line, Precious, Precious sorry, and Grace, LaGrange, Chic and Have You Heard. So those are the tracks on this album. Uh, who wants to start? Well, of course, I'm a little partial to the uh, Jesus Just Left Chicago <laughs> uh, song. But of course, LaGrange has always been one of my favorite um, ZZ Top songs. To me, the, the song, I mean, this album might as well just be called LaGrange, really. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of good, good blues uh, Jesus just left Chicago is just a classic, classic blues uh, tune, you know, and I think I was I was talking to you guys earlier about how I was more familiar with the rock side of ZZ Top mm-hmm. uh, from yeah. the 80s, you know, the Eliminator and um, after which we'll get into later. So I don't want to yeah. spend that much time yeah, on yeah. that. We'll but uh, yeah, so the, coming back and see, hearing the 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 blues roots that these guys came from was really eye-opening and and I'm digging it. All right. Uh, Ray, do you want to go next? You know, it was, it was, we talked before the podcast started. It was really, really fun to, to kind of take a trip back and listen to this stuff. And it's been a long time since I've heard like ZZ Top. I I don't want to say in its infancy. Uh, but when when you think about the first time I heard him was like 1983, so to hear uh, you know this album here over again, um, I, you guys were talking about subgenres. I I always considered ZZ Top like my own genre was like Texas boogie, all right? Mm. It's just like almost dumped yeah. dump, dump. It kind of like it. almost like it's galloping. Is, is how yeah. I start, you know yeah yeah it's yeah, yeah. Had, that tempo yeah, yeah. 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 How, how Billy Gibbons plays almost like galloping on his guitar and. Um, and, and doing some research on this, I didn't know that. I mean, I did, but I didn't know that like Billy Gibbons and Jimi Hendrix toured together like in '67. 
when Billy Gibbons was like in a in a like a psychedelic group. And uh-huh. you know, and if you look and do some research on the internet, Jimi Hendrix loved Billy Gibbons. Billy Gibbons was like seventeen years old. And he was torn with Jimi Hendrix on his on his uh, on his tour and stuff, and he really really gave his props to Billy Gibbons at age seventeen. So uh, Billy Gibbons, you know, you hear that kind of you get that blessing from Jimi Hendrix, and you go forth and you meet Trace Ombres, you know, and it's just, it's I mean again Lagrange, uh, everyone knows that one. I mean if you haven't heard it on the album, you've heard it on a commercial, unfortunately. You know, we'll talk about commercialization of songs later, but. Um, but uh, Jesus left, just left Chicago. I saw these guys uh, for free, if you can believe it or not, uh, with my dad at Fort Bragg, and wow. they played. They played Jesus just left Chicago as their very first song come out of the gate. And I, I shit you not. I mean, the the wow. the the for the rest of the night on that stage was amazing because it was just like what a great set opener. Um, and the and and it kind of kind of separate who the true fans were and who was there here like legs right yeah i love it yeah yeah <laughs> and so and and everyone was just just dancing up at the time and i just believe over and over again these dudes were playing this for free and they just they left it all on the stage with billy gibbons just as good as it always was this is probably four years ago i saw um but and i'd never heard jesus just left chicago live like i know they did a bunch of live albums and a bunch of bunch of concerts and stuff on TV and it was just, it was amazing and so and I didn't know it was on this album so when I heard it I was like oh shit this is awesome it's like all this nostalgia and so this 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 record here kind of holds holds a little nostalgia for me because I got to see with my dad my uncle and, and this and that and just remember like the energy on that stage hearing that song was amazing so um Lagrange and Jesus just left Chicago are the two on this album that really really um I really dig those two. I wouldn't skip them. I'm so glad you brought up um, about Billy Gibbons, Gibbons uh, working with Gibbons. Jimi Hendrix, it's because his okay. First of all, he's a fucking genius. Number one, and I don't know if people understand really. I think if I think most people know, like you know, the radio hits of ZZ Top and don't really know. Uh, or maybe understand unless you're a musician, probably the intensity and talent of Billy Gibbons. So his parents were, um, were his father was an entertainer and he was actually an orchestra conductor and a concert pianist. And so his parents wanted to hone Billy's talents as a musician. They took him to see Elvis when he was like five years old. And then uh, he got to go sit in on a BB King recording session when he was like seven years old. Can you imagine? And then um, he, his father actually sent him to study under Tito Puente. And I think, wow, pro- I know, right? But yeah. if you're only of a certain age, you know who Tito Puente is. Um, he's a very was a very famous um, jazz musician and songwriter and record producer. Let's just say that he probably fucking produced everything for 30 fucking years that you know and love. Trust me. He he was amazing. Um, so here you have this young kid who's just a virtuoso, of course, and he founds the Moving Sidewalks. And those were, and that was the band um, that opened for the Jimi Hendrix experience um, when he did his American headlining tour. Um, 
this is such a great example of his talent, I think, and him getting into him, moving into himself as a musician and moving into, I think, what ZZ Top was as a cohesive force. I think this album shows that, in my opinion. And I totally agree with you guys, you know, about the songs that you highlighted. And for me, as I went back to re-listen to it, my notes were, there's not a bad song on this album. That's it. That's where I landed. I cannot find a song where I say, I don't love this song. They're just, to me, every song hits the mark and is so what I would expect from an early ZZ Top. So I love this album. Yeah, waiting for the bus. I remember is one of the another one that really stands oh, out so for me. Good. I love that one too. Such a good song. Yeah. Well, all right. We have we have said our piece about this album. Yes. No, I haven't. Oh, sorry, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, but I'll be quick about it. So. Yeah, this stuff is fucking sexy as hell. Like that's the only word that comes to mind. Like when I'm hearing this early ZZ Top, and fucking you know, if we're gonna be real about it, later ZZ Top. But the word sexy just keeps coming up. Um, just great fucking licks. Just building on everything you guys said about Gibbons and just his incredible work on this album. And you know, to be honest, uh, and I'll talk about this later. Obviously, when we get into later albums, but going back and hearing this and just the roots and the foundation that everything that came later was built upon. This album is fucking amazing. It's fucking amazing. Uh, I can't say enough about LaGrange. I mean, uh, Ray, you mentioned the commercialization of certain songs. You're going to hear this all the time. You know, it's, it's one of those things, but um, you know, just to hear it in the context of this album is fucking awesome. So not enough good things to say about this. That song belongs in the, um, what do they call them? The things you fucking bury and bring them out. Time capsule. Thank capsule. you. Time yeah. capsule. The things that the aliens find. Like if you're going to send off a song and be like, this is a true rock, like an early American rock and roll blues song. LaGrange is it. Yeah. In my opinion. It's one of those it's prototypes. It. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now we've all said our piece about this album. <laughs> so here's a music break before we get to the next album. I'm ready for- <laughs> all right, great music there. So that leads us into our second album of this first battle, and that will be 1975's Fandango. Should I say that louder? Because it has an exclamation point at the end. I think you should. Fandango! Fandango. (laughs) (laughs) Or Fandango. No, gross. Don't say that. If you're an asshole. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And to the two people that might listen to Wrestling with Respect who are also listening to the show, not the wrestler, but the album. Um, yes, there is a wrestler named Fandango. Anyway. I know, I know um, him. I know yeah. Him. There you go. See? All right. Like, yeah, personally? Man. I'm saying three no, people. Three I, know people. Who he's, I know who he's talking about. Yes. yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Three people know what I'm talking about. Okay. 
so, in case anyone's wondering, the name Fandango actually is a type of dance, a uh, Spanish dance. Uh, but it goes and fits in with the motif that they've been going with their album titles. So, And we'll see that continue you know, until we get to the 80s. Uh, but this album, you know, just to jump right into this album, the first thing you notice right off the bat, and, you know, this is for the 80s people here, side A are all mm-hmm. live tracks. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And side yep. B are studio recorded tracks. Yes. That's Back not downloaded. That's not downloaded music. That's actually when you, yes, you actually had to like take the tape out and flip it over and put it back in uh, side B. So, uh, and that's really the crux of what I would say about this album as far as my opinions of it. Double-edged sword for me here. So the fact that they're splitting live music with studio recorded music, I don't know if I'm entirely on board with that. I don't know. But the fact that the three live songs in my opinion, other than the white, the, you know, the elephant in the room, which is Tush, uh, might be the best music on this album, is the other side of that sword. So I don't know what you guys think, but, you know, Backdoor Medley, that shit is uh, fucking amazing. <laughs> Incredible stuff there. Uh, but uh, just curious to see what you guys think of this, because I think it's just continuing kind of the foundation they laid on their first album, despite what I said about, you know, half live, half recorded. Yo, you mentioned Tush, and I was just came up with a thought earlier today that that is like a perfect example of their blending of blues and rock. If you take away the lyrics, you've got what's almost a pure, purely blues tune, but the lyrics that go along with it are not what you call blues lyrics. They're more rock lyrics. Not at all. Yeah. For exactly. sure. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. It's a, a great amalgamation of both. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Only the band like this could pull it off. The funny thing is, is you know how many people are like, oh, you know that song, Tush? And I'm like, <laughs> Tush? You mean Tush? Yeah. As in buttocks? And they're like, no, Tush. I'm like, no, they're saying ass you idiot i mean put a p in front of it push tush yeah they're talking about a woman's butt (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's ass you ass you a you ass if you're old enough to know the toy store what was the toy the toy right ed the original movie was called the toy oh yeah with uh richard Pryor. (laughs) and the guy's name was us and she would say you ass and he would get some out of that you ass is us (laughs) wow that's going back a few years i know i don't know why i just thought about that (laughs) but when people say 1983 when people say tush i'm like shut the fuck up it's tush you idiot So how do you guys feel about the half live, half recorded? Um, I, I'll I'll tell you this is one of the best things about being a, a drummer that's in the that can stay in the pocket is they forget how good you are as a drummer, right? And so Frank Beard, um, for me is one of the most solid rock pocket drummers you can think of because you're there and you don't really realize what he's doing until he's not there, right? Immediately you know someone else is playing on it, and so. Um, the live stuff, um, the live stuff, it it sounds effortless. What he's doing there with, with the, uh, sorry, I got I got a 
got to brag on drummers a little bit. I don't think they get enough love, especially Go Frank ahead. Beard. Frank Beard does does an amazing job uh, with what he needs to do back there live to keep Billy to keep Billy Gibbons doing all the amazing stuff that he does. You have to be a really good drummer to be able to do that because um, you're 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 just there enough for them to notice you, but you're not there enough for them to get to overshadow Billy Gibbons what he does. Um, one of the one of the things about blues and 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 being a three piece actually is your drummer and your bassist have to really be in the pocket, locked in, really know what they're doing. And God, yes. Dusty Hill and Frank Beard are like masters of being able to do something like this. Just let just let's just do this and let Billy do his thing, and let's just rock for nine minutes on track number three. Right, mm-hmm. and so yeah, yeah, yeah. and so and that that's what I kind of got out of the live stuff here is like you really start to understand and appreciate how good Dusty Hill and Frank Beard are um, when you hear their live stuff here because I think this might have been the first time they put anything out live, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and, um, yeah, because yeah, I know there's a couple that came out before this, or whatever. But um, and so you really start to appreciate there on that on that side a of what exactly it is Frank Beard and Dusty Hill bring to this group. So that's how, that's what I got from this one. I think that you brought, you bring up such a good point, Ray. And I, this is what I want to say. Like the Pete, it's such a thing nowadays to go, ugh, a live track. Let me skip it because everything is so fucking overproduced. It's like, you know, pictures on the internet. Everybody can do the like smoothing and the, and you're, you're just like, it's all so filtered, right? Yep. Music is so filtered. Yeah. Well, my friends, there was a time and a day when live music was considered to be the better, actually, than the recorded music. I know, I know, it sounds crazy, but just imagine that you were interested in the energy of the band. You were interested in what the band actually sounded like. You were interested in who they were as performers. Yes, I promise you that was a thing. And so that's why you would be excited to hear live tracks on an album because you go, oh my God, listen to how good they are live. And to be able to put live songs on your album, you have to have fucking talent, not just really good auto tune and filters and good producers and all the shit you have now, right? Mm-hmm. One take. So, Yes. Well, that too. Yes. Uh, How many bands did that? Because it was expensive and it was time and blah, blah, blah. So I think I have no problem with that. I think it's fucking super cool. I really love to hear bands that are very good musicians. I like to hear them live because I like to hear how incredible they are. And I I think you, you, you can feel and hear the energy. So, um, you know, that's phenomenal. Uh, so this, yeah, I will say it's ballsy of them to do that too, especially it to wasn't open, then, though. I don't think it was well, then, to though. To open an album with that, though, to open an album after a major release, like like Trace Ombres, though. I don't think that's you, what I'm trying to tell you. I don't think okay. it was at the time. Okay, it when was, you, but when you think about when you think about albums now and, and even shoot back in the 90s, the live tracks were last. They're like extra tracks, right? And they're actually saying, hey, here's our life stuff first, you know, versus throwing it like as an extra track down below because the. And that's why I'm is, saying it's ballsy because they're right, putting it right, right out there. Right, yeah. exactly. But it's, yeah. this, but it's the 70s, you guys. It was not, I don't think it was as ballsy in the 70s, to be honest with you. I think it was, I don't know. I don't find, I didn't find it at the time to be ballsy. 
flash forward to 1980 and 81 yeah sure 100 um you know the song tush what do you, how do you think, I want to ask you guys your opinion. How do you think that charted? Where do you think that landed on the U.S. charts? At that you, time, probably yeah. not high. Probably not high. What uh, do you think? Probably in the, probably in the 40s. It feels to me like a song that would have been, um, you know, pretty high on the charts. That would be my, my gut. I agree feeling. with you, Ed. It, it only hit number 20 on the U.S. Billboard 100, Hot 100, which is crazy because it's one of the most played songs on the radio. I'd love to know what else was in that top 20 that year. I would really love <laughs> um, to know that, but I know that's another. That's a whole other. Yeah. yeah, that, that, sure it, yeah. that song is a staple of all American Southern rock cover bands. Like if you I, I think it's a staple, it, period. There you are, go. You really, are you really a cover band if you don't play Tush? Yeah, yeah. So, so listen to this. Agreed. Agreed. I, I wouldn't even trap it in that genre because so ZZ Top went on the Johnny Carson show in 1986. Okay, they had a they had a lot of other hits by then. Guess which song the Doc Severinsen band decided they wanted them to play? That would have been Tush, and. They came out, they all wore ZZ Top beards on the giant, so and sunglasses. But they wanted that song first. Iron Maiden has covered that song. Nazareth, Girl School, White Snake, Joan Jett. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. I would love even, to hear all those covers. <laughs> even yeah. Miranda Lambert and Keith Urban have Motorhead. Oh, not those. I mean, Motorhead, I don't yeah. want to hear that one. I don't want what? to hear the Miranda Lambert one. Dude, Motorhead? Seriously? That's <laughs> yeah. Motorhead. Oh, my gosh. But the the, um, the guitar solo on Tush, I mean. Oh, my God. It was phenomenal. You, you listen to the way, the sound it was, I mean, whatever they did. Um at the time the it, it's so raw and so i mean it even sounds old it sounds like something from the past even when yes. they played it yeah. then it's just got that old timey um you know like the original rockers from uh blues rockers from like the late 50s and early 60s yeah, it's like even, so even cool if, like, if it's remastered it still sounds yeah insane, it still sounds know? old and yes. blue yeah. yeah and that yeah. i think that's the brilliance of them the funny thing for me is I remember hearing a story about, um, I think about like, you know, kids who, who are singing along to radio songs and do you know what the fuck you're singing? Do you know what you're talking about? And I remember a, a friend of mine in the eighties, we were singing like a virgin in the back of the minivan and her dad was like, beside, I, I don't, I guess he didn't do much of the family driving and he just happened to be the one to take us to roller skating that weekend. And we're all singing like a virgin. And he was mortified and turned it off instantly and was like you can never sing that song again and i <laughs> i and i mean as an adult now i get it like we didn't know yeah. what the fuck we were we didn't know what we were saying you know um and i i think about now like <laughs> i fucking loved this song and i have the tape and i used to run around like i'm just looking for some tush <laughs> <laughs> now that i know what they're talking about i'm like oh my god that's so fucking wrong these were some dirty old men before and, they were uh, even old well i guess they weren't th uh, that old at the time but no so. i'm saying before they were even old they were, they were dirty old men and you know uh 
Dusty Hill sang lead on Push, actually. I know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's which is probably why Billy Gibbons can play that solo the way he played it because he didn't have to worry about it because Dusty Hill's the one singing. So Billy Gibbons can go over yeah, there and play that amazing solo. Yeah. How would how else would you do it? Especially a lot. No, you're absolutely right. And that's a great point is uh, that we haven't brought up yet. Well, I guess we're getting there is that um, the, the, the talent amongst these guys, you know, who will, who will be the lead vocalist on certain songs and, you know, who will be lead guitarist on certain songs. That's another wonderful, wonderful facet of this band, I think for sure. Um, so, you know, we talked a lot about, Tush, which is obviously such a popular song. What are some other favorites on this album f- for you guys? Well, they do. This is a. Um, they did a lot of tributes uh, songs, especially on the, the live portion. Um, you know, like a long distance boogie, which was a John Lee Hooker song. Uh, Metal down easy, which is Willie Dixon, and Jailhouse Rock, of course, which is you know Elvis and stuff. So, but. Um, it's, it's good stuff. I don't think it, it, it really struck me as much as Trace Ombres did um, overall. Um, not to, you know, knock on the album, but uh, um, again, Tush being the, the standout to me, of course, it just kind of like, wow. There are so many songs, though, on this album for me, like Long Distance Boogie. Just the way they covered it is just ugh, Nasty Dogs and Funky Kings and Blue Jean Blues. To me, for me, for years, Blue Jean Blue Blues Jean have movie, been, yeah. that's been one of my favorite songs of ZZ Talk. I love that song. It's so awesome. Yeah, I think that medley, I think if you want to see from A to Z everything that they're capable of, musically i think that's a perfect example just put that on and say this is zz top you have a little bit of everything in that song in that medley you know everything put together it's fucking fantastic i agree totally yep well is that it for fandango guys two down well done boys all right. Now we give no quarter. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes. Okay. I guess the the next album is mine. Um, De Guelo or De Guello, depending on how you want to pronounce it, would be oh, the, the Umalot's uh, back. Look at that. <laughs> oh, the damn yes, Umalot. The Umalot is back. I can't yeah. figure out how they. I didn't think they had Umalot. Choice of the use there, but yeah. uh, anyway, it's, new, it's right? there <laughs> for for artistic reasons, I guess. Yeah, um, it's the, actually this is their sixth studio album, and it was released in November of 1979. And so the interesting um, thing about Degueo, it means like decapitation or <laughs> uh, idiomatically, it could mean like when something is said to be done, like a Degueo, it means uh, also no quarter in Spanish is also the title of a Moorish origin bugle call used by the Mexican army. Again, back to the, the Mexican. Battle of the here. Alamo. The Battle of the Alamo, Texas. Tying in there. Yeah. Origins yep, another Texas tie-in. Yeah. Yep. They are and, Texas um, deep down. They really are. This, yep. This was their first release on Warner Brothers Records, or their new label. And eventually this one went platinum. Fuck yeah, Big success. Yep. I love how you said eventually. 
I know. Isn't that crazy, though, that it yeah, didn't go platinum right away? Are you kidding me? I know. I know. Nuts. Nuts. So, yeah, track list on here is um, I Thank You is number one. It's actually a cover written by David Porter and Isaac Hayes, recorded by Sam and Dave, originally released in 1968. By the so, way, have you guys listened to the original I Thank You? Did you do that? I have not. I need to go do that. You really should because it's a it's an inc- okay it's such a well written song incredibly well written zz top it was made for them it was made for them to do this song yeah this is like, one of my that's one of my favorite favorite uh, tracks oh yeah yeah i'm sure. telling you when you hear the original yeah. and you it was made for them yeah like, then t- um, totally she loves my automobile every time i see this just look at that it makes me think of uh um, I lo- I I'm in love with my car. Yes, yeah. <laughs> from- <laughs> that's right. Oh for Queen. That's-, yeah. <laughs> that's weird, motherfucker. Yes. Um, then of course I'm bad. I'm nationwide. Oh my god, such a, a fool good- for your stockings. Manic mechanic. Dust my broom, which is actually a, a Robert Johnson cover. Low down in the street. Hi fi mama. Cheap sunglasses. Yeah. And Esther be the one. So, oh, something else I wanted to bring up, I haven't, in, in the biggest irony of the band, I think, you think about it, the only member of the band who doesn't consistently have a beard is, his last name is Beard. Beard. Frank Beard. <laughs> yes. You're absolutely right. That's so funny. So, yes. anyway, I just wanted yes. to point that out. I'm sure it's been pointed out a million times sure. before. They were doing the beard before it was cool to have a beard. Yes. Yes. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So I guess you could say they're all three. They all there's three beards in the band, but just one yeah. of them in name. That was just because they took a hiatus. They're like, okay, we're not gonna fucking shave, so gotta keep it. So this album is this album to me is unfucking believable. Um, every time I go back to it and hear it, I'm just like, oh my god, it's so somehow light years ahead of what they just did what yeah. they just yeah. did it's a total you know? pack- it's, it's a total package yeah it's oh a God. very blues yeah. heavy album oh and i this love that i sure. fucking love that because i oh god i just love that and to me cheap sunglasses i don't give a fuck what they're i don't care what the lyrics are when they get into that dun dun oh yeah uh, it's the oh my god it's so dirty and grungy and grimy and bluesy and soulful and yeah. oh my that song is killer and they got oh, yeah. a little experimental with the sounds there too i know on that one um i'm not sure what exactly they used or some kind of electronic synth or something in there but yeah they start to you can tell they start to get a i love it when bands start to get experimental and do like new things with sounds and you stuff. know it's funny you say that too because this is you you can cut and we've done this with other bands too obviously throughout you know almost 100 episodes here but you can cut a clear delineation point between say this album and what's to come oh yeah after that yeah. i mean yeah, clear yeah, yeah. cut yeah um but i think that this is the product of everything they did before and it's just improvement 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 um any f- you know, issues they may have had anywhere. And it's tough, it's tough to find false, you know, 
problems with the earlier stuff. But uh, as I said before, this album is the total package for me. The Anything. interesting, yeah. The interesting thing is uh, what you mentioned for a minute, Ed. Is um, so there was a there was an accident that happened that that made the genius of the sound on this album. Um, so Billy Gibson was explaining Gibbons. that he used. Uh, sorry, I, why do I keep doing that? I don't know why I keep doing that. Gibbons, think the monkey. I don't know Gibbons. why I keep. I know I don't know why I do that. <laughs> Um, he was using a Marshall major amplifier and a Mastro or a Maestro ring modulator on the song. And, uh, the amplifier blew, it had a blown tube when they were recording, when they were, were recording. And so they listened back to it and Billy was like, it added this tonal character to the song and they decided they liked the sound of it and kind of went with it. And I love finding I love finding out shit like that. It's like, this was a mistake. So, and, and imagine they were like, oh, fuck. What, you know, what's that sound? Oh, crap, this happened. Do we have to re-record it? What do we have to do? Do we have to get it fixed? Do we have another tube? Whatever. And it's like, no, actually like the sound. So we're going to, we're going to, you know, replicate this. Bob Ross this moment. Cool no mistake, yeah. just happy accident. <laughs> yes, happy, happy accident. Happy trees, happy clouds. So, um, awesome. I don't know. That's, that's just really cool when you find out things like that. That's about um, cheap sunglasses. Yeah, I, to I me, love stories like that. Since we're still talking about uh, that track, it me, seems like cheap sunglasses um, is a bit of a harbinger I, of things I, to I come. Ended up, I actually liked. Um, I actually liked the uh, Trace Ombrace and uh, this one, but doesn't mean I didn't like it. Um, I just Ray is like uh, for me. It was like cheap sunglasses because everybody knows that one, and it was like. Everything else was kind of, you know, ZZ Top to me. Nothing that stood out, um, like more than more than the next. Of course, I'm bad and I'm nationwide. That's another one. Uh, I know we made a joke about it earlier, but uh, this one to me was was solid. It's um, I don't think they put out anything that wasn't solid, but the other two I thought were more solid than this one. That's just you know, I didn't I didn't enjoy listening to this one as much as I enjoyed the other two. You bring up a you bring up I'm bad I'm nationwide, which is another fucking fantastic song yeah. on this album that I I absolutely love. Um, I don't know, like I think about back in the days when I used to get stoned and we would like float on the river in the summer, and I don't know, it's just such a great. Even when you're driving, you're just like I'm bad I'm nationwide. It's such a great. Just like a groove, like an easy, I don't know, like a laid back, like, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain the atmosphere of it. It just has a great atmosphere. Um, I love the lyrics to the song because um, for once, it's not talking about women's bodies parts. It, it mentions short dresses for a minute, but um, I just, I like the the story behind it, you know, which is, uh, you kind of glean it from the lyrics and um the the whole atmosphere of it, I just think is so very, very much indicative of the vibe of ZZ Top. And I think that's one of the things I appreciate most about this song. This is a tough one. I, I, I guess we're going to have to choose one album out of all three of these before we move on to the final battle next week. Yes. That would be the, Oh gosh. All right. So, uh, 
fuck. I don't know. Well, you got to go Matt. first. Oh, you want to have me go first? You go first, Matt. All right, I'll go first. All right. So, honestly, going into the third album, being it was 19, like, I'm just saying this from a very generalized point of view. Going into the third album, I really thought, usually when we do these three album battles, the third album is always a digression, you know, moving into a new sound or a new decade. Um, But I was like, holy shit, lo and behold, it's like they found... Like, like to me, that's their best album up until that delineation point, like I said before, where you're going into 80, 81, and all of a sudden it's like a whole new music business. And we've talked about this before, about just the differences in music and recording and everything between, like, say, 1977 and 1983. Hard you know, to be a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, wait a second. I'm going to talk about them next week. Oh, God. Just wait. Okay. I would, uh, and Ed's not going to like this, but I, I wrote that in my notes in big, bold letters with fucking exclamation points and shit. So we'll talk about that. But, um, but yeah, that's the only way you can compare them is that they changed. Other than that, there's no comparison. Yeah, but there's, well, no, there's no comparisons. And I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll talk about that next week. But uh, I have to go with Diguello only because I was pleasantly surprised with just the total package of the album and just from a to z front to back i thought it was their best work from this original stuff i'm not taking anything away from the other two albums both great albums but just for me listenability enjoyability that was the best album so i have to go de guello de guello oh man all right who wants to go next ray yes i don't know if we can are there Yes. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? All right. Uh, I have to go with um, just overall me listening to it and kind of, you know, getting the the, the good feeling I get when I listen to a good album. Free Fall Race for me was was it. Um, maybe it's because I hadn't this in my head since a long time, so maybe just the, the, the newness of it all over again. But I really, really enjoyed Trace All Race. Um, out of out of the three, um, all of them are great. This one I think is a bit better. All right, so oh, one okay. and one. Here we go. We're one and one. Ed, what about the races? Here we go. What about you, Ed? Uh, okay. Uh, for me, this is I've I've narrowed it down to two. <laughs> all right, two. I've narrowed it down to either Dueo or Tres Hombres. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm really loving I'm bad I'm nationwide and cheap sunglasses, but then Jesus just left Chicago and LaGrange keep pulling me back. Um and waiting for the bus and oh jeez. Um just to make things interesting. Well, no. I, I'm going where my heart is going. My yeah, heart, heart is, my heart says Trace Ombrace. That's what it's telling me. I that's what I feel is right. So that's the one I'm going for. All three great albums, but that's where my gut is telling me to go with Trace Sound Race. Wow. All right. 
depending on where Sailor goes, this could be very interesting. Or it just could be normal. All right. So, um, huh. Interesting, gentlemen. I'm going to have to go with Degueo. Ooh. I have to. I have to. I, and let me just tell you, I love the two previous albums. I love that this was such a difficult choice. Very, very difficult. It was hard. But I ha- yeah. It was so fucking hard, but there's something about this album that just, and, and, and it's hard, you know, usually I think I, I try, I try to articulate my feelings really well about this because that's the point of what we're doing. And when I say that, um, in Tres Hombres, there's, there isn't a bad song on the album. I mean that, but this album, yes. Ugh, just I can't even put it into words. It's I'm one with, of those I'm with things. You. Same thing, so it's like I can't put it into words. It's just yeah. for me. It's just that. It hits I that. totally get it. it I hits totally that. get yes. it. Yes, it hits yeah. that thing. Yeah. That thing where you go, I can't explain it because it's just that. See, right? but that's how I. That's exactly how I felt about Tres Hombres. So, you know, I was going back and forth, but the it's just my your your guts just pulling you you pulls you one way or the other so does this mean we're at a we're at a fucking tie oh my so gosh I, so do, so do two of them move on and yeah yeah i right? guess they do right yeah i yeah. guess if we can play it that way we can two say uh, we've well, we've we, eliminated we fandango and those two can move on yeah we did so okay all right so it's all right it's tres hombres and de whale Wow. Right. All right. right. Yeah. All right. Wow. Uh, wow. All that time we went from like, yeah, we eliminated one. Yay! Yay! <laughs> All right. Well, that means that uh, we're going to have to save this for our next show because this has gone on forever already. Um, Ray, would you come back with us next week? Yeah, I'll do it. Sure. Awesome. This is okay. great. I, I, like, I love this. I like to talk about music awesome. people, that, people that know about music. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So till next week, you guys, pull out your tapes <laughs> or your albums. Stop laughing, Matt. Or your eight <laughs> tracks. You shouldn't, have, your... you shouldn't have hesitated. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> actually there's Spotify. probably there's probably a good number of people out there who have vinyl that can listen to it on i was gonna say yeah listen to whatever you got and bone up on your zz top because next week we're gonna be back with the ultimate 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 battle echo ultimate 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 matt get us out of here Ooh, oh jesus <laughs> take, what's that song jesus take the bus or whatever Take the wheel, oh, not Jesus, the bus. I, 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 I Why would Jesus up. take the bus? Totally mixed I mixed two songs because he wanted to leave Chicago. Yeah. Take the bus and Chicago. kill us all. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, take the bus. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Well, as it always, thank you. Yes, of course. Thank, thank you, Jesus, and the bus people. <laughs> Uh, thanks for sticking around listeners we absolutely hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did and we always do as always you can find us on Instagram and Twitter Metal Rock and Whiskey we also have a super cool Facebook group under Spirit of Rock Podcast Network 
You can see posts from all shows on the network there. And follow us individually. You can find me on Instagram at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. Sailor. Hi, I'm Sailor, and you can find me at Sailor Retro all over the internet. And they can find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. And um, hey, listeners, if you love us or even just like us, please, we ask you, hit that subscribe button. Give us a review because it really does matter to us. And of course, tune in next week. We know you will because you want to see how this battle turns out on another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Fuck you, Rolling Stone magazine. Later, everyone. Use it for toilet paper. Yeah, especially right now. Bye bye. I love you more.